Blog Talk Radio.
and thank you for joining me here on Code Connection. My name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George, and I'm your hostess today. And yes, that's a little bit different music than what we're normally listening to here on the show at the opening. That music actually is uh, a song by our guest today, uh, Joseph Carringer, and that is called Heart. Um, so really interesting. I, it's a great way to start off the show and a great way to give you a little flavor of what we're headed into today, which is going to be absolutely phenomenal and unique. And I just want to extend, by, a way, by the way, a welcome to everybody that's listening and whether you're returning because you like what we do here, whether you're joining us for the very first time, um, you know, whether you're catching us in an archive. We do stream live in three additional places, Talk Stream Live, Stream Finder, and Penn, also known as Pair Encounters Network. And I welcome everybody listening through those channels as well. And, uh, and then, of course, anybody who's, uh, like I said, listening to us through our uh, maybe the YouTube channel or um, iTunes, tunein.com, where the podcasts come through as well. So, yeah, it's going to be really exciting today. Now, I do want to mention those that know me know that I bring my musical guests on at very special points of the year because for me, music is such a powerful thing, and I love to incorporate it with our turning of the tides, as we say, the turning points in the year. And, of course, we have the winter solstice coming up, which is exciting because this is going to be a very interesting portal. I was just taking a quick look at the, the code energy related to the winter solstice uh, this year. And, of course, the winter solstice energy in general is a time it's of great change. It's a time where all kinds of strange happenings can occur. And sometimes strange happenings can be a miracle. And sometimes strange happenings can be a twist of fate or uh, anything along these lines. And, um, and so usually this is going to be a much more rapid change, and that's interesting to have that happen at the end of the year. Now, what's interesting with this is that also we're bringing in, for it being a portal that's opening in 2015, uh, the energy of the mole, which uh, M O L E, which a lot of you have heard me talk about on this show in different uh, places along the way, and the mole is actually going to bring a lot of exposure this year coming up, and from the winter solstice to the winter solstice of 2016. So we're going to see a lot of major exposure going on in the world that's going to be brought out from secret and hidden sources. So that's going to bring some interesting energy. And I'm actually going to be talking a lot more about that next week on the show because I'm going to delve all about getting into 2016 and what that's about and making this transition. So this is very interesting, and this exposure is actually going to allow some of the people who have been hidden and uh, restricted to come out more into the spotlight. And it's also going to allow people to start to step into their pattern, uh, into their power, excuse me, uh, if they're able to um, intermingle and weave between a lot of different groups of people. So that's just a fun little tip that I threw in there at the last <laughs> at the last minute. For those uh, that uh, are just tuning in here, this is Code Connection. And during the show, I look at living a more compassionate life by aligning with personal codes. And many times I've got guests on the show. Actually, I'm doing part my shows, part guest shows now. And uh, that way it gives you a chance to get used to the code energy and different topics, and then also you get a, a chance to see how other people's work might be an option for your code energy as well. 
I also, like today, highlight different musical artists along the way. And, and the different topics I'm looking at delving into in 2016, of course, I'm going to follow some of the political candidates here in the U.S. Uh, for presidency. I'll be looking at world affairs, world events. Um, what does it mean when we have these bombings and things that are coming up? And not to dwell on them in a negative way, but to understand them through codes and understand what the real purpose and the real meaning and what it's telling us, just like El Nino telling us to pay attention, we need to take care of the earth right now, and that we need to start being more responsible. That's what El Nino's codage for. So this is going to be a fun year coming up because we're going to delve into a lot of really huge stuff and big topics and big thoughts. Anyways, in my own work, I also interpret a person's life codes to allow them to live a life filled with compassion. Um, I've got books out. I've got uh, tools that I've created. Uh, the most recent endeavor that I'm on right now is called Embraced by the Divine, a woman's gateway to power, passion, and purpose, which I'm a co- uh, collaborator on, and we are number one bestseller in multiple countries, so international uh, I'm an international best-selling author. How about that? <laughs> Pretty kind of cool stuff, huh? And uh, we just released the Kindle version of that book, by the way, and uh, we will be having a release coming out in late January for the paperback version. So you want to stay tuned for, for when we do a launch party on that, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got a lot of work, things in the work for that. So stay tuned on that. And then I've also created the True North Tour, which is a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, seminars, book signings, and fundraising events. And you can follow all of my tour and event things, uh, as well as videos and all kinds of great stuff on my website, jessianmicholsgeorge, the number one dot com. And I also want to remind you, if you enjoy the show today, you certainly share it with people, friends, family, you know. You never know whose life you're going to change. I'm changing lives all the time just by clicking a share button. So this could really make a big difference. And I think this artist that we have on today, our musical artist, uh, Joseph Carringer, is going to be a show that you want to share because music is such a powerful tool. And he's got some unique pieces that he's incorporating with music, which we're going to find out all about today. Now, before we get started, those that have listened in before know that I like to delve into a little book called The 72 Names of God, Technology for the Soul by Yehuda Berg, who's a Kabbalah master, and grab a little insight. And this information goes on my page in the Main Street Universe tab on my website, by the way, uh, as well as the weekly code will be up there, and uh, you can find out uh, archive shows and everything else up there as well. So... The name of God that we've got for this week is Stop Fatal Attraction. And the message he gives going into this is, did you ever wonder why you attract so many of the wrong people into your life? thought so. And the insight he goes on to provide is, negative, destructive people too often find their way into our lives. At first, they can be fun, friendly, and very cool to hang out with. We may believe that They want to be close friends or that they genuinely want to help us, but they end up stealing our energy and depriving us of spiritual light. The result, our defenses are weakened and we become vulnerable physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. 2,000 years ago, the high priest in the Holy Temple of Jerusalem used this powerful name to extinguish negative energy and to replenish the spiritual light that was lost through contact with a negative or wicked person. And the meditation he goes on to give with this is, 
Here you become the high priest in the temple of your own being. Through the power of this name, your soul is imbued with divine energy, and evil people are banished from your presence. Pretty powerful thought to to hold and to sit with and to meditate and reflect on. Now, again, the common name is Stop Fatal Attraction, and the formal name is Yud Yud Yud. So, again, that will be on my page of the Main Street Universe app on my website, Jesse Ann Nichols George, number one.com. Now, a little thought here to get us going into today's show and topic here. And uh, this will just kind of get our minds ticking on, on where we're headed today. Do you have a particular instrument that you prefer for sound healing? Do you feel that different instruments create different healing experiences? And have you found different instruments to be more effective for specific types of healing? Now, I've addressed aspects of sound healing before, and certainly there are many types of sound healing out there. It seems like everyone that I come across that does this work has a different way of approaching it or a different combination of tools that they use to create the sound healing experience. And there can be so many variables involved, from the way the meditation is led to the types of instruments used to what other components are incorporated in in it and to the space that the leader and participants are in. Now, one thing I've learned with code interpretation is that we can even be coded to certain instruments or keys in music, and this can then affect the experience or connection that we find with ourselves, okay? And each one provides its own unique effect. So the key it is coded in may connect for the listener but not the person playing it or vice versa. And it may or may not also connect with the instrument itself. For example, the key of E may help the piano to ground its energy vibration to where it is accessible for people. But the key of E with a guitar will unground the energy and make someone completely flighty and unwilling to look at their physical reality. Each combination creates its own unique blend. Now, Joseph Carringer is a sound healing musician who has created a unique blend of components. He works with the Australian Aboriginal Didgeridoo, traditional Chinese medicine, and Ayurvedic chakra philosophies. So together he produces powerful healing experiences that have been a part of his own shamanic journey work. Now, many years ago while living in Arizona, I connected with another Didgeridoo artist. And the sound for me was earthy and grounding. And it seemed to really transcend me into a whole different place and time, unlike any other instrument that I had experienced. And it felt so authentic and genuine for me. As I look at the codes of the didgeridoo, in general, without getting too uh, specific to it, I find that it is an instrument that is particularly great for dealing with energy patterns related to uncertainty, grief treachery and deception and fear. And when seeing this code connection, is it any wonder that it can do some amazing healing work? And at the same time, I connected with the artist in Arizona. My life was full of all of these things. As I look personally into my own code connection with the didgeridoo, this effect is magnified that it not only heals those patterns for me, but that it elevates me to my abundant self. It generates and activates success energy while pulling me out of any victim patterns or breaks me out of the control of others. In addition, I see that it is also a catalyst for opening up strong partnerships in my life. So an instrument 
that I can use to call in love, friendship, or other partnership connections. And it is quite natural for, uh, to be drawn to a sound or instrument that is coded to help us at a particular point in life or with a particular challenge in life. So what healing combination have you created using sound? And have you found yourself drawn to different instruments during different times of your life? And what is your go-to music when you need to create some healing energy for yourself? Now, the code energy for this week is all about awakening. And this week's code asks us to step into action and to focus on our duty and purpose. This is not about worldly success. And that may still come as a result of being purpose-focused, but this code asks us to be patient as there are likely to be some delays or plans might be getting shifted or changed around. And the key with this code is to develop the spiritual. As a matter of fact, it is a necessity. And we are asked to function from our own divine self. The material world will respond to that. But the material world will not move forward without the development of the spiritual first. So this means you need to get very real with yourself Check in with what you are still working on and through and see how you can approach your challenges, addictions, and what pushes your buttons through divine self, the path of the divine, and what choice would it make. Then do that. Now, I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I'm going to have our guest today, which is sound healer and musician Joseph Perringer, and I'll be sharing his music, his work. We're going to delve into his insights, and he's got you know, some great songs, including the one we're going to use for a break, which is called Sentimental Moments. And uh, you definitely want to stay tuned for this. So we're going to cue this up, Sentimental Moments, by today's guest, Joseph Carringer. Oh, my goodness. Thank goodness I'm not tongue twisted too much today. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
And welcome back. You were listening to Code Connection, and my name is Jesse Ann Nichols-George, and I'm your hostess today. You were just listening to a song by today's guest. It's called Sentimental Moments, and uh, today with me, the the person that put that great music together is Joseph Perringer, professional didgeridoo musician and sound therapist. In his sound therapy practice, he uses concert class didgeridoos combining traditional Chinese medicine, meridian, and organ theory with Ayurvedic chakra philosophies, creating a unique and powerful therapeutic sound healing experience. Joseph has been playing in Australian Aboriginal didgeridoo for over 15 years, using it as a deep meditative tool in his personal shamanic journey, as well as a therapeutic instrument for his clients. And you can learn more about his work at www.digtherapy.com. That's D-I-D-G-E-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com. And Joseph, I want to welcome you to Code Connection, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show today. I'm really happy to, to be sharing this time with you. Well, this is really exciting because we connected a while back and you said, yeah, I would love to come on your show and uh, I would be happy to do this. And then it must have been about three months after we connected and I was on tour to the East Coast and I was in Massachusetts and a venue that I go to every year called Aquarius Sanctuary Um I go in there <laughs> to to show up to do my work there and to to present there, and here's a flyer right there on the table with you. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so Small world. <laughs> I actually built uh, my I built my practice in New England. That was uh, that's where I grew up uh, in New Hampshire, and I was living on the seacoast in 2004. And uh, uh, when I uh, connected with a group of holistic health practitioners that kind of acted as my, uh, my, um, my, my mentors, um, my uh, surrogate parents in, in the holistic world and helped me unravel for myself and my future clients the, uh, the, the theory behind how, um, how applying not just the didgeridoo sound, but sound in general is affecting people on a holistic level. So yeah, so New England is a very big part of uh, of my uh, of my life and my background. So yeah, it's not surprising you ran into you ran into me there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it there, and of course, you know, there, Pam and Marlene are just incredible people to to be around. And Pam takes everybody in. She's like the proverbial mother that just gathers everybody together, and they're all her children, and they're all her family. And she's just got yep. a huge, huge heart. So, um, but we're here Absolutely. to talk about youth. So I would love for you to start off with sharing how you got to choosing this work. Why this instrument out of all the other instruments that are out there? Why this style of music? You know, it's really funny. Um, didgeridoo players, generally speaking, don't, don't decide to be didgeridoo players from an Aboriginal perspective. There's only two things that I uh, I do that I consider traditional. One is how I was how I was chosen by the ditch to play it. I uh, in 1996 I uh, sat straight up from a dead sleep and saying I'm going to play the didgeridoo. 
and I didn't really know what it was. Um, I had heard it inside of some of Jonathan Whiteant's Nomad tracks from the early 90s and uh, knew that it was in Crocodile Dundee, but I actually thought it was the thing that they spun on the string, which is actually a bull roar. And um, about six months after that, I was at a shop in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I picked up my first didge, which I actually still have, and I, it's part of my, uh, my my concert set. And I picked it up and I put it to my mouth, and the guy that I was with at the time, he and I were trying to like work out a band, and I was a really super okay but not that good sax player. And <laughs> I, uh, I put the didge to my mouth, and I made a perfect drone sound, and the woman looked from around the corner and said, do you play the didgeridoo? I said, no, and she looked at me and said, yes, you do, and she pointed her finger at me. I held it up in the air, and I went, yes, I do. And um, I ended up buying a bamboo one that I played the whole way home because um, the, uh, the the bass players with his wife and the, the woman I was dating at the time, they didn't think that spending a whole bunch of money on a hollow stick was a great idea, so I got a cheaper bamboo one. And I played it the whole way home, and I split it in half by the time we got back from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, to Merrimack, New Hampshire, and so I called up the shop, told them what happened. They're like, you know, bring, come back next week and we'll hold the digit that you were playing for you and we'll let you exchange it. So I ended up getting that one. And within a month, actually within less than two weeks, I was circular breathing. And within a month, I was playing out with uh, first a jazz musician because I was the manager of a blues bar and uh, the, the bar manager of a blues bar. And I started playing with the acts there. And uh, so it's interesting. I, I didn't plan on playing the didgeridoo it really found me and I I realized when I started playing the did I didn't have to worry about fingerings anymore which on a saxophone it was a really big deal and I'm, I'm you know you're all, you have all these different notes and keys and things that you got to keep track of and with the didgeridoo you can just create this sound wave and surf it and ride it and and make all these different intricacies and the the Instead of fingerings, you've got body movements and gestures, and it's a really, it's a really all-encompassing instrument. The, the dig is just a hollow stick. The instrument starts at your diaphragm. So, um, yeah, so that was how I started playing, and it, 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 it released me to be able to, like, I tell people I play the dig the way I wish I could play the saxophone. <laughs> so that's, that's really, and it's funny because I'm, I'm really blessed for there's a, a sax player who's a uh, multi, multi-Grammy award-winning sax player, uh, Eric Lawrence, who, like, when uh, Aretha Franklin came to Pittsburgh a few months back, like, she called Eric to, to come play sax for him because her sax player wasn't available. And uh, he's a, another sound therapist, and he uses the saxophone for, for sound therapy work. And we, we talk about this, about how, like, you know, the instrument that, that's drawn to the person. It's funny because I play the dig the, the, way, the way, you know, I, I play the dig the way he wishes he could play the dig, and I, he plays the sax the way I wish I could play the sax, and we kind of find this balance between each other. But your instrument really is, you know, you search, and then it finds you, and then you'd be able to, to grab your expression. And then, uh, so that was in 97 that all that happened. Uh, and then in 2004, a kid that was working for me came into work. And uh, by that point, I was playing with electronic dance music and had been since 99. I was sitting in with DJs and nightclubs. And, uh, this, uh, this guy, Marty, comes in. He goes, hey, I saw that thing that you play in the nightclubs on VH1 last night. And uh, I thought he was going to tell me that he uh, saw a didgeridoo being played by, like, the lead singer of Linkin Park or something. And I'm thinking the world is over because now I'm not going to get the chance to play the dig in front of people. And uh, he goes, uh, 
Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio hires a didgeridoo player to come to his house once a week and play over him while he lays on a shiatsu mat by his pool. And I literally looked at him and went, get back to work. <laughs> and, <walked laughs> off. and so then the next day he came back in and started talking about it again. And I was really looking for something like I was searching, like I needed an answer for what was going on in my life because I had come from a, a corporate background in design and marketing and I was uh, was on a hiatus from that, and I was I was working in a in a field that I hadn't really planned on really ever spending any time on in my life at that point. And um, I looked up at I looked up at the sky, I looked upward, and I said, "I get it. I understand what you're telling me." And so I went home that night, and I started looking up didgeridoo sound therapy, or actually it was sound healing, because at that point I didn't know the difference between sound healing and sound therapy, and. Uh, Sound healing, sound therapy, didgeridoo, sound sound healing, and uh, there was really in 2004 such such a small amount of information available. And uh, but what I did find was didshop.com, which I'm still affiliated. Like that that began my affiliation with them. And they had an awesome didgeridoo healers page. And uh, then there was one paper written by a doctor who listed all of these side effects of um, did you do sound therapy or did you do sound healing? And he uh, he listed side effects may include relief of muscle tension, muscle modding, relief of uh, migraine, insomnia, sinus pressure. He like and they were all listed as side effects because if you list it as an effect, you're making a claim. But if you say it's a side effect, there's no legal accountability. And so I went, oh, okay, cool, <laughs> this makes sense. And I started grabbing all of my, at that point, I started grabbing all my friends, family members and saying, okay, you know, my, uh, my wife's um, father and stepmother, they're, uh, he's the, the head of uh, six drug, or actually more than that now, but back then it was six drug and alcohol treatment facilities in Western PA. And my, uh, my mother-in-law is a, is a psychologist at a college. And I'm like, okay, you guys are my, my uh, straight people control group. We need to do, I need to test you guys out. And then, I grabbed a, a friend of ours who was a, a medium at a local uh, herb shop. Um, I said, okay, you're my, uh, you're my new age control group. And so I got all these different control groups together. I had a friend who was in a rear-ended car accident and uh, was experiencing back pain. So I started doing all this work on, on this group of people using a, you know, a rough scientific method and saw, wow, okay, this does something. Can't fully quantify it, but it does something. And then, uh, I went to the second meeting of what became the New England Holistic Health Association, and that's where I met all of my holistic mentors and peers. And uh, that was 10 years, or I was in 2004, so um, almost almost 12 years ago. And uh, they just took me in, and, you know, the rest is chronicled on the website and, and been a great <laughs> ride, and I'm so grateful for the change in my life. So, yeah, that's the abridged version. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's really an interesting thing because I feel like when we really, really have something that we've come into this life to do, and, and there's no question that you have a connection with this, I would say probably from past lives, for those that believe in past lives or parallel lives or <laughs> alternate oh, yeah. realities, no, I do. whatever. <laughs> and, and when the timing is right for that gift to open up, it it comes to you. I mean, that's just, and to me, a natural working of things. And I could completely see 
something like the didgeridoo because there is, you know, just so many natural things. Now, of course, I was in band in in school growing up. I always had an instrument of one kind or another in my hand, whether it was the violin or the cello or the flute or the clarinet or, <laughs> or something was always there, piano, um, guitars. Um, so, yeah, it's very interesting to make that switch uh, both, I would say, as an artist and a listener, and I could, I imagine this has got to have a lot of, um, even though you you have songs listed for the different chakras, that this has got to have a strong root chakra connection to it, if it's releasing things like sinuses and headaches and. Well, yeah, you've got you've got three things going on with the didge, which you kind of touched on in the beginning, and. Uh, and Kudos, but you're you you get you definitely get what's going on with sound, and it's interesting because the interesting thing with sound healing versus sound therapy, which I I sort of put together for myself, probably about I, I would say probably like, uh, six to eight years ago, I really started making the clear distinction. When you look at uh, Jonathan Goldman's definition of sound healing, which isn't you know it's not his, but it's it's the one that everybody kind of accepts, and that's why I sort of credit it to him because he he put it out there for uh you know for all to see in print and it's sound plus intention equals result which means you can take two cans and slam them together and make a banging sound and if you have a strong enough intention with your with your higher consciousness your soul your being you're going to manifest that into reality that can be for healing that can be for uh calling in that new job that life change bringing you know whatever any intention um sound therapy leans over to this other edge where the sound plus intention equals result is still part of it, but you're applying sound to the energy center, centers using the traditional um, the traditional holistic, re- recognized holistic sciences of, of Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. So you're saying, okay, um, I have a person who's dealing with a, a grief, sadness, they've got chronic bronchitis going on, and we know that they lost a family member, which is grief sadness. Well, grief sadness lives inside of the lungs, so that lines up with the symptoms that they're experiencing of that bronchitis. So in traditional Chinese medicine, you don't have keys for the different energy centers, but in Ayurveda, you do. So in Ayurveda, the lungs would be in the heart chakra area, and that heart chakra, its heat sound carries the key of F. So I would grab a dig and I would do work within side of that uh, that key. Now, that's that's the energetic aspect of it, but the didgeridoo is also producing infrasound, which is the inaudible, super large, low-frequency sound waves that when you walk into a, a nightclub or you hear a really, really deep, bassy sound system somewhere, that's everything below 125 hertz. And you get into the, the, the 2 to 20 hertz range is where our brain waves are theoretically at. That's what they've, they've kind of tagged them at being inside that range. Well, in the ultrasound range, the super high inaudible, they can actually use ultrasound to do things like stimulate bone growth, relieve muscle tension, muscle knotting, because it warms the muscle from the inside. What I've seen with the application of the dig over the years, and even just hanging out in nightclubs forever, like I've been in places where they have a huge amount of sub, sub-frequency going on, and next thing you know, your sinuses are draining. Yeah, so sound, we know that sound in these 
these frequencies will do things to us physically. So you have the very physiological aspect of the sound waves that they're just producing because it's going from zero to a thousand hertz. You have this energetic aspect of what it's doing for you when you're looking at it from the um, from the Ayurvedic tradition, the sound application tradition, and then juxtaposing that against traditional Chinese medicine to, to get to the organ centers. But then really the most important thing that the instrument does is that uh, it helps people get into meditative states. And that's the, that the sound itself acts as a, a great set of training wheels for people who have difficulty meditating, haven't meditated before. And for people who do meditate, it tends to be a big up button. Like what you were talking about with your experience that you had in, I think you said it was in Arizona, uh, that you had that, that connection with the dish. That, um, that's really what it is. That's really the power behind it. You know, I don't think of my, uh, myself as a, uh, uh, a miraculous healer or the didgeridoo is a miraculous healing instrument. Uh, what I do is I play an instrument that holds a space of, you know, space, time, and sound for a person to step into the driver's seat of healing themselves, quantum manifesting the universe around them for themselves, quantum co-creating their world. And it just holds a pocket for them that allows them to get back to that point and do that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating sound wave. It's a fascinating instrument. Um, primal is one of the, the easiest ways to describe it <laughs> in terms of what it brings you back to. So it has that, 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 that sound, that ohm buried inside of it. I think that that's a great set of information you just shared there um, to help people differentiate uh, between sound healing, sound therapy, I, I think that's one thing that people haven't really differentiated before um, that I've had on the show and and tying those things together. And uh, one thing we know is we do get into these different meditative or brainwave states. We certainly naturally release the healing power. Um, I have to think with all the work I've done along the way that there's something about sound that literally shakes things loose in ourselves. Oh, yeah. uh, as you say, primal that, that that brings back a memory to ourselves, um, which then allows our body to alkanize and to kick in all of this healing process. Um, you yourself have created, uh, like I said, several chakra-related soundscapes, I, and I have one that I want to play <laughs> um, from that cool. during the show here. Uh, called Fifth Chakra Soundscape. And I I chose the Fifth Chakra because given the nature of the instrument of the didgeridoo and and what it works on from all of this deception and things like that, which I feel like a lot of people have been dealing with from just listening to them and our Fifth Chakra uh, being connected to what we're perceiving, I thought it would be really great for us to take that in. Do you have any um, things that you would like people to be focused on when I play this song? No, you know what? Be open to the, the experience. I tell people who come into my workshops for the very first time, allow yourself to take a deep breath. Obviously, if you're driving and listening to this, focus on your driving. Um, but <laughs> maybe you want to pull over. But if you're, if you're in a comfortable space, you know, uncross your arms, uncross your legs, sit, allow yourself to breathe set an intention if you want to set an intention for yourself and then just let your mind go blank. 
see where it takes you. Go for a ride. That's simple. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we're going to go ahead and put this up. This is okay. Fifth Chocolate Soundscape, and it is by our guest today, Joseph Karenster.
were just tuning into a wonderful meditative piece uh, called The Sip Chakra Soundscape. It's by today's guest, Joseph Carringer. And, um, you know, it's really interesting, Joseph, because I'm sitting here listening to that, and we always think in this busy world, I, I don't have time, I don't have time. But there's a perfect example of a five-minute song <laughs> that can, <laughs> you know, make you feel like you've been on this whole journey and make you feel like you've been, you know, out of the world for, I don't know, a while. <laughs> In only right, five you get minutes. these little five-minute vacations, exactly. That's what to my clients, you know, we don't, we, so the, the one thing we do in Western culture really, really bad is recreate. Um, you know, recreation can, can be anything from gentle contemplation of the universe around us to going, you know, uh, and and going for a walk, doing, uh, you know, going for a hike, going camping, like any of these things where we're doing something other than quote unquote work. Um, it's it, when we when we do all of these things that take our power away, that, that distract us from getting back to our higher consciousness, that's when we start to lose these, these pieces of our power. And one of my, my very first uh, uh, mentors in traditional Chinese medicine is an acupuncturist and shamanic healer uh, named Ed Hubble, who's in uh, upstate New York. He's in Saratoga Springs. And he's a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, human being. And that's one of his big quotes is, you know, don't give your power away. And that could be watching the news, listening to NPR. You know, that was me back in the day. I used to wake up every morning to uh, the, uh, the the clock radio set to NPR, and it was just immediate, like, you know, here's here's something bad that's going on in the world today. Then it's get ready for work, and then you're being chased by all these different things, and you never take that moment to breathe and take in the good air and let out uh, let out the the emotions, the stagnation, the negative energy that you've been collecting. And that's what these little five-minute pieces, 10-minute pieces do. You know, I tell my clients, look up at the sky and breathe 10 beautiful breaths of nature every day. You know, you don't necessarily even have to listen to a meditation CD as much as you do have to reconnect back to, to your source energy. And there's no better way to do that than partaking in the nature around you. And, uh, and that, you know, that's it. Ten, ten breaths is even shorter than five minutes. <laughs> it's amazing what it'll do for you if you allow yourself the indulgence of doing that for yourself. You know, repay yourself is, is what you need to do. And as you say, sound transports us so quickly and so easily. I, I think, you know, it moves us on so many levels, be it spiritual mm-hmm. and emotional and mental and everything. And I think that particularly in the Western culture, that a lot of people don't honor transition throughout their day. So everything runs together and kind of like the message I was talking about at the beginning of the show where we we wonder, well, why are we drawing all these negative people into our life and why are we (laughs) drawing all this negative energy and why does it feel heavy and why do I feel so drained out? Because we don't take these even five-minute moments to transition from, say, our work day to our home life, to our night settling down, going to bed, resting time. We don't, it just all runs together for most people, at least in the Western yeah. area. It's, it's, uh, it, it's hypnotism through routine. 
you've you've taken your higher consciousness and you've you've uh molded into a state of of almost hypnosis and it just sits there waiting in your your brain and your body which are reflexive muscles and organs of habit will continue to do the same thing again and again and again and the brain will just fire off the operating system and meanwhile your higher consciousness, your true you is sitting there waiting on, hey, what about me? But okay, I'm just going to continue to do, you know, let you do what you do. And, and again, you continue to give that power away. You give that chi away. You give your soul away. And, and you can get this back so easily just by, you know, like listening to yourself every now and again, taking a break for you. You know, and I know it's real for parents, especially this time of year, you know, you're thinking so much about your children and about what you can do for your family and all of the obligations and this and that, you know, part of this whole idea behind giving, you have to be a little bit selfish in order to be truly selfless, you know, and to be able to give, you have to have know your limits and your boundaries and be able to give back to yourself in a way that allows you to maintain your strength and your energy for all of the people that you love and care about. So taking five minutes or, you know, to just, breathe and meditate and do something nice for yourself so that you can feel recharged. That's going to come back to everybody else, you know, threefold, tenfold. So. Very well said. And you had used a term earlier called primal, and I really resonate. I'm coded to primal. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, <laughs> after you said that, all these things clicked in, and I went, oh, that makes so much sense. Thank you. And you know, and and it got me coming back around that what's interesting is with the didgeridoo having this primal energy to it, um, play, you know, in relation to what you just said there, is that when we take that few minutes to, to tune into our primal energy, we're actually tuning into our success codes. We're actually tuning into um, where we stand in our power. And mm-hmm. and this is why I, you know, one of the reasons why I feel the didgeridoo is such a, a powerful instrument or um, influential instrument is because it, it does bring us right into that connection. And the primal is where we're, we're not being governed by everything else out there <laughs> in the world. No. And, and I think people, <laughs> yeah, they so much today, right? They so, They so much feel governed by everything. I mean, let's face it, we're told where we're going to get health insurance. We're told that what we have to have, we're told this, we're told that. And a lot of people, without even realizing it, don't have their power. So something like this really allows them to connect in and get in tune. And when I say power, that core self um, there. Now, you know, from that, I find, and it seems to me, because the other didgeridoo artists that I've met in Arizona, uh, it, it was like it was such a sacred journey to him to play the didgeridoo. And he was so particular <laughs> about things. It was like it was just like ceremony for him to play it. And he was not going to be swayed by anybody. This was not a person you could buy off. And like yourself, he had a very shamanic connection. He did a lot of shamanic journeying and shamanic studies um, that were connected with the didgeridoo. 
why do you think it, it is it the primal energy? Why do you think it's so connected to uh, shamanic journeys or the aboriginals? Yeah, I um, I don't. Yeah, there, there's there, there the instrument itself is, is it's it's theorized it's theorized to be ancient, and there's a bunch of different anthropological beliefs about about the age. There's uh, you know, one of the theories is that it it didn't start out as eucalyptus; that it started out as bamboo, and it's uh, it's possible that the didgeridoo actually predates the Australian Aborigines and comes from the Southeast Asians with the Filipino and the Indonesians because they both have their own versions of bamboo or boardwood didgeridoos. And the the uh, Aboriginal genome, the human genome, comes from Southeast Asia and the Philippines from wherever that land bridge connected and they made their way down. Um, I am a, I'm a quarter Filipino, so I'm the tallest, whitest Filipino that anybody has ever seen. And uh, I uh, I the fact that I connected with it and could just play... And my mom, the first time she saw me playing, I was expecting her to, you know, give me a big thumbs up and a gold star. And we're a pretty sarcastic family. And she just looked at me and said, you know, that's that, that's cool and all, but they play those outside the hills in Manila, and they just they're made out of bamboo. And I didn't think that she was serious until I then found out years later about the the theories of bamboo. And then when the Human Genome Project came out confirming that that's who the Aboriginal genome is comprised of. It started to make sense to me in terms of like why I connected with it. Now I've had a very, um, a very shamanic uh, spirituality that I've kept kind of to myself. Going back to you know my earliest memories of running around in the woods and catching wild animals and playing with them, you know, and uh, and doing that as, as part of just you know growing up around a, a, a Tennessee farm boy for a dad who's part Cherokee who could you know just any any hurt animal heal back to where he could let it go again. Um, I think we all have these powers inside of us. They, and I, I think it's more so that the leaning towards embracing these concepts will cultivate a particular type of um, demeanor inside of a person. Um, I'm probably the least didgeridoo guy of all the didgeridoo guys out there that I've met because the music that I choose to play with when I'm playing for myself is electronic dance music, and I can count the number of guys who guys or actually there's an amazing Israeli didgeridoo player. She's phenomenal that uh, uh, plays to electronic music and, and we're friends. And there's a you know there's it's a very small group of people because we hear things at a particular at a particular frequency, a particular energy. And, uh, but then I go from that, that dance music, that electronic dance music, all the way down to meditation. And I, I let people establish their own reverence inside of it. You know, my, my first sweat that I did years ago in the 90s was with Thomas Bonewolf, who's passed away now. Uh, but he was, at the, at the time, he was the spiritual leader of the 500 Nations and the last full-blooded descendant of Chief Seattle. And when we walked into the lodge, Thomas basically said, um, okay, now that we're here and we're beginning to, to, we're going to go into the sweat, just to let you know, I sweat for myself, you sweat for myself, I'll see you on the other side. Now, I, I totally paraphrase that, but that's general, generally speaking, it was like, you know, here I'm opening the universe up for you and wherever you go is where you go. And I'll, when, when we come back, we'll meet in the middle. And uh I have never had such an, a visual and physical experience inside of a sweat. You know, that was my first, and I've been in many since, and I've helped lead many. And uh, that one foundationally set that place. 
Um, but it was very ca- there's a very there was a very reverent casualness to it, and that's kind of always been my my approach to it, so that everybody can come to the party, everybody can partake. I don't want anyone to feel lost inside a ceremony or not knowing ceremony. Um, you know, when I was an altar boy as a kid, you know, I was not, <laughs> I've been part of religious ceremony for as long as I can remember. So to demystify, so I try to demystify it. But there is, there's a lot of guys. I mean, I don't play Aboriginal. Uh, like I said, I play, I play like a, uh, uh, I, I play in a digital way. I wish I could play a tenor saxophone, and uh, and I don't, I don't over over shamanize it, uh, my my practice because I want, I I don't want anyone to feel that they're not, they're not qualified to be able to experience it because it's, it's just sound and vibration, and that's what we're all made out of. So it's really for everybody. Well, I I agree, and it's it's interesting because the song I was going to this was the perfect story to lead up to it. I don't think there could have been a better one, <laughs> and uh, and it's just interesting to hear you talk because I have a little piece of Cherokee in me as well, and um, and I know some other Native American friends who are doing a lot of this kind of crossover. They're star seeds and Native American, and <laughs> you know all these things. But your music yep. kind of gives people the opportunity through listening to it to do their own little shamanic journey in this process. And, you know, so so we've got you as an altar boy. We've got you running around the woods, capturing animals, <laughs> healing them, putting them back out into the wild. We've got you doing techno dance, <laughs> playing in jazz clubs. <laughs> And and doing Aboriginal shamanic switch lodges, so <laughs> you're you're about as diverse as I am, I think. <laughs> and yeah, all in a day, all in a, all in a lifetime. <laughs> all in a lifetime, not to mention your different cultural differences, and and which yeah. I wouldn't have guessed, you know, just by your picture. And and I love that you can joke about it. And so the ne- the next song that I I had that I was going to put on here is called There and Back Again, and that's why I thought your story just led up so well because Perfect. it's got this, uh, you know, it, it plays um, this kind of Native American energy to it. But when I listen to music, I always come up with words or terms or things that, that it reminds me of, and I had down here Native American slash spaceship vibe. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's uh, Perfect. <laughs> I might quote you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like that Native American starship, you know, starship spaceship vibe thing going on. So it, it, it's perfect. And you have more than one that has this kind of Native American feels because there's another one that you do that has more drum rhythms to it. Um, but we're going to go mm-hmm. with this one right now because it fits in so perfectly with what you just shared called There and Back Again. We'll be back in a few minutes. Enjoy listening to it.
And welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Code Connection, and today I have with me Joseph Carringer, and that song is called There and Back Again, so I, I'm sure a few of you got to trance through that and have your own little <laughs> shamanic journey. I don't know how you couldn't take a little journey with that one. Um, it's, it's great to see you on the other side, as they say, <laughs> in there. Um, <laughs> it's so... It's so interesting to me, Joseph, because you you really brought out a lot of great points that um, I already had questions about as far as, you know, the the history of the instrument, the woods uh, that are used with it and different things like that. And and your diversity is amazing because I remember when I first heard the didgeridoo in Arizona and and it was much more flute-sounding in a lot of ways at least with that artist, you know, he was bringing that that in more um, in there. But what's interesting is a lot of your work and what you're doing with this music has a lot to do with soul journeys and healing and reflections, you know, taking a look at our life, as you say, you know, bringing in mm. intent with music. And, of course, uh, you know, you're here with me on the show to herald in the energy of the winter solstice that is at hand coming up in just a few days, which, of course, initiates the winter season, which is a, a highly, highly reflective time of year. Um, why are reflections so important? Because you've got a piece of music that's titled Reflections, but what about that is so powerful in this whole journey and process for you. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because like I uh being being a nightclub person, I uh I I always love winter. And I was listening to you talk about about this in the beginning and one of the things that I like about uh the winter months is these exceptionally long dark periods. Um you know, you get to uh, you, you get to, to to run around and play in the dark, and uh, and that's not a bad thing. It's you know, and and when and when I'm saying it, I'm saying it very much in in terms of like this. There's this uh, there's this whole difference of mindset, and uh, and that really used to be my uh, my my favorite time to go out and to go and 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 to uh, you know to go to the clubs, perform, to do all of this stuff. You know, you have these exceptionally long long nights. Um, and I, in, in listening to you talk about it, I think it's really because, you know, the, in these winter months when you can't see these vast distances, you know, it, all the time, you know, when I go out to Montana, the thing that strikes me the most about Montana is that I can see for 80 to 100 miles, right? So you can see these vast expanses. But it doesn't matter whether you're in Mo- Montana or you're in Pittsburgh where I live now. Um, at night, you can only see as far as the light will go. So you have this period of time where, it doesn't matter where you are. You can really only see that what's in front of you, if you will. And so winter gives you that this time where you 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 can really only look inside of your sphere and inside of your own own place. Uh, it's cold outside for those of us who live in the north, you know, and and are experiencing winter and it's and it's seasonal coldness. So you don't spend a lot of time outside. So it's this period where you're inside of your home. You're inside. You're around. You're, you have you have time to do some deep work uh, on your on yourself in your own space, um, and that's so. It, I I was 
I've I've always enjoyed uh, I've always enjoyed winter. I've I've always had a, a kind of a uh, an interesting I, I dare to say love hate relationship with the cold because <laughs> I lived in Hawaii for a little while. And and I've been up until this last winter, my wife and I uh, had been living in New England on the seacoast. So I've um, I've had some of these classic classic winters where you know we've had six feet of snow on the ground outside, and um, you can't do anything except um, hang out with yourself and uh, and and experience this time. So yeah, I think that's you, you nailed it with the with the reflect you know with reflection in general like that's what this is about that's what winter's about and uh it's also about the lights coming back too I and mean, winter solstice that's kind of the whole the whole big upside to everything is like yeah it's dark right now but you know what? it gets a little bit lighter every day it gets a little bit warmer every day and so you have this time to do this work as you're preparing for it so yeah you know, <laughs> I love how you brought that up because I'm very, very much a winter person as well. I love snow. I love cold weather. I don't like being cold, but I like cold weather. And I'm actually not too far from you because I've been um, landed in Sioux Falls, and we're actually going down to uh, zero degrees tonight, not counting the wind chill factor. (laughs) And um, fortunately, we haven't had six feet of snow, so that's good. (laughs) But um, no, it's been warm here. <laughs> it's kind of wild. <laughs> wild, but that that reflective point. I love how you described it going, um, you know, all the way into the darkness because it's not. I mean, well, there's the there's the metaphor of that, and then the darkness is really about getting, I think, into our core self. And so many people spend so much of the year running away from themselves, not looking at themselves, mm-hmm. focusing on other people. And this is our opportunity to really connect with our ourselves. And so many people, I think, find that scary in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because they're not sure who they really are. But yet everything that they're looking for from the outside world is in that deep inner core space. And then, as you say, when we can connect there we connect with the hope, which is the light, and that just keeps growing. That light keeps growing and growing and growing, but we've got to go into that deep little dark core, which isn't always, as you say, a negative thing, but we've got to get into that, that core and sit still <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, to, when to, I started doing this work, I mean, the layers that I was pulling off on myself, you know, that's – uh, and, and that's really the to to to, to talk about Ed again. I mean, the, the, my this, the acupuncturist and shamanic mentor. He, uh, you know, one of the things that that he he talks about with shamanism is the medicine man's greatest skill is having the ability to trick a person into healing themselves. And that used to make so many other shamanic practitioners so mad when he said that. But it's really it's, it's, when you think about it in its essence, what. You can't, it goes back to this idea of like, I can't heal you, only you can heal you. And so when you are going on the shamanic walk, the shamanic walk is not about going out and finding a bunch of people to to cure and to heal. And it's actually really about figuring out how you can heal the deepest, darkest places of yourself so that you can act as a coach and a guide for somebody else that might be going through it and giving them this, giving sharing with them the same techniques that you used to do it for yourself. You know, there were, there were vast amounts of time in my life where I always had people around me because 
I didn't necessarily like hanging out with myself. And that was one of the really interesting things to realize one day when all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know what? I can only love somebody as much as I love myself. I can only enjoy being around people as much as I enjoy being around myself. I need to get to know myself better. And that's what these winters give you the opportunity to do, is to really come into into understanding into, and into relationship with yourself. Um, and then you can go out and you can be friends with, spend time with, and love people as much as you can as you can if you can learn how to love yourself unconditionally. And that was kind of the big lesson to me that I learned over over many winters is that you know unconditional love starts with unconditionally loving yourself. That's probably one of the best explanations I've heard <laughs> of that. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> of that self-connection to be better with the outer world aspect. Um, I, I love what you said there. It was just perfect. It really was perfect. Um, and you mentioned the healing power, and, and I love, love, love so much that you brought that up because so many people struggle with things like depression this time of year. They struggle with inadequacies. They struggle with judgment. They struggle with loneliness, all kinds of things that come up in so-called the dark times of the year. And it's great that you reminded us that this year has such an expansive amount of healing power, or this time of year, I should say, has so such a tremendous amount of healing power that we don't get, say, at the summer solstice or the springtime or the fall time. Um, and, and this is our opportunity to tap into that. This is our opportunity... Mm-hmm to let this stuff come up from within us and and let it get healed because we have the greatest access to healing power, I think, at this point of the year. Beautifully brought Absolutely. up. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. In your piece for Reflections, which we're going to play here in a minute, um, one of the things that came to me in this piece is You've already shared this huge amount of diversity of backgrounds and cultures and states and things that you've lived in. Um, but I pick up like a Middle Eastern rhythm out of this song. So so where did you connect with that among <laughs> all your other pieces yeah. that you've connected with? There, um, that album, I, worked, I, I was working with a, a production partner that I had had for quite seriously for four years. We had dabbled. We were... We were uh, uh, friends and neighbors a town away from each other um, for and, and and started working together on, on some musical stuff uh, three years prior and uh, Josh Harris who's actually his name his name's on the album with me and he uh, he's done a lot of major label production and uh, he worked he's worked done uh, remixing work for for Pink and Jewel and, and just a, a, a toured with Seal for a little while really uh, talented talented producer. And he um, had been struggling to try to find his um, his creativity inside of producing music that was based around one note, around the didgeridoo. And when we talked about this, what what I wanted to do is really kind of let him see what he could do if he could find if he could actually find his production voice to make uh, some world music. And so I told him, I said, you know, there's no rules, you know. Find um, 
find your voice and and uh find your inspiration and uh and create really beautiful racetracks for me to drive my digit across. And so really, you know, I gotta give him credit. It was it's him. Like he he connected with the uh the different world music sounds and brought them together and uh then uh, I was able to to take and go rip my digit across across them and uh and bring them all together. So the uh Josh would be the inspiration inside of the track. Um, <laughs> Well, perfect. We're going to go ahead and cue this up, play it. This is called Reflection and Enjoy. We'll be back in a few minutes.
welcome back. You're listening to Code Connection, and that song is called Reflections. It's by today's guest, Joseph Garinger. And, um, you know, what a show. This has really been so great to explore, and I think I'm putting in a little bit on the music there, so I apologize for that. But, um, you know, really interesting. It just shows some of this versatility that, that Joseph has in the work that he's doing and the pieces he's doing. And for something that's basically a one-note instrument resonating with the sound of OM, as he mentioned earlier, uh, it, it's just it's phenomenal to get all this variation that comes out of it and hear this style. Because I think many people, if, you, if you've heard of the didgeridoo, a lot of people have associated it with um, Titanic, Leonardo DiCaprio, things like this. Uh, more noted pieces that were more flute-sounding along the way. So this is such a great variation here. And, you know, Joseph, you have a lot more pieces on this CD of yours. Um, yes, and, and the double this disc. Is, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the, the title of the CD, I should mention, and you'll probably have to correct me on this, is Bourgeois Bohemian. Um, you nailed it. <laughs> uh, yay! <laughs> uh, I have an inner French side of me. <laughs> I think I had a French country past life. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, actually, my ex fiance was a uh, was French. That was part of his background. Um, but you know, it, it's just so interesting to go on this journey with you. And and I do want people to know. And and I. There's pieces, we just can't even begin to delve into all the pieces you have. So I did want to mention that to people because you have another beautiful piece on the CD that's um, called Midnight Discovery. really has, you know, this, this great sensual overtones to it. It just reminds me of various different things. But um, do fill us in a little bit about why this title. I mean, you definitely have bohemian energy with all this very background, but where did this title and title track come from? Um, it was actually, I'm going to credit Josh again. We were, we were talking and uh, he, uh, he was his, an uncle of his used to, to talk about a, a section of the uh, man in Manhattan where everyone was kind of Bobo and it was an abbreviation for bourgeois bohemian. When he said it, I thought it just, it, 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 I liked the way it rolled off the tongue. I was like, oh, that's that's cool. I like that. And, um, you know, kind of this, this throwback vibe to, like, uh, you have people who who are, um, they're trying to get back to a more bohemian route. And so it just gives, it just opened the door for that. And uh, so it was, it, was, it was just some good fun is where the title came from. And uh, and actually, uh, you know, with the exception of the, uh, the chakra track, um, Josh uh, titled their, all the song titles are his. He would uh, he would he would slap a working title on the song and it would generally just say. Um, so yeah, that's uh, in the cover art. Uh, I reached out to a uh, um, a young woman who had done some internship work for us who's living out in Oregon and uh, was doing and she's a photographer uh, by trade and said, hey, I've got an album coming up and this is the title. Do you have something that you think would fit? And she said, I've got just the photograph. So, and then it all just kind of came together from there. It's so interesting that you mentioned in that this 
picking up on the pulse of people wanting to get back to bohemian roots. And I think this is really true. I I have no question I have that in my blood somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's bohemian energy because I I definitely resonate with that. Um, People that know me know that I spent a year on the road um, touring with a cat (laughs) full-time. And and I'm just anxious to get back out. I just have that inner sternness, like, oh, I just, I can't wait until, and I know I have to be patient putting all my code work together because what I'm bringing out is just amazing. But it's amazing, too, how many people I talk to along the way about that tour and just jumping in a vehicle and touring for a year. And... Um, how many people go, wow, I just wish I could do that. I wish I could connect and just, it's so freeing. It's so open. And I think. There's a really unique thing when you get out on the road like that. Yes. Yeah. And, and people always think, oh my gosh, how do you do that? But it's, it, it just connects you with your roots. And I think more and more people, as I've spoken to them, they have those yearnings. You know, again, I think we're hitting we're hitting our limits in a sense in society, and not that I believe that we really have limits, but we're hitting that point where we're maxed out in a lot of ways, and and it's it's going to bring people back around to this sort of simpler focus. People, I mean, that's really the only place we can go in a sense. <laughs> Because we've right. we've brought the pace up about as fast as we can spin it in this physical body, uh, and and people are now taking that out. I've opted to start uh, driving instead of flying. Uh, like I just uh, I was just uh, performing in Orlando um, two days ago. On Tuesday, I was in Orlando performing, and uh, I. Um, for the the gear requirements and everything, I mean, it's it's less it's far less of a hassle for me to drive than it is to tr- to try to get all the gear onto a flight anyway, and then worry about like going you know TSA and and then baggage handlers and all of that. But it, it was a huge reduction of stress for me to to start driving, and uh, but then at the same time, I really like that time alone on the road. Um, I I've, I read a book when I was in my uh, in my early 20s, it's like late teens, early 20s, and it was called Blue Highways. I forget the author's name, but it was his autobiography of driving all the blue highways across the United States, him, his van, and his dog. And uh, it was it was really interesting. My boss, whose book it was, he was like, I can't believe you read that book. It was like watching paint dry for me. But it was so fascinating listening to him talk or reading to his story of him talking about how this experience and connection with the people in the land and these things that are getting lost on the blue highways, let alone the fact that I'm driving major arteries. You know, I'm on, I'm, I'm not taking a blue highway. I'm driving 77, I'm driving 81 and I'm still feeling this connection. So think about how fast we're moving in our society where I'm getting the same kind of open road vibe, but I'm on the highway and not being on like route one, you know, it's like, but I'm still having the same connections and we have, and that's slowing me down to be going, you know, 75 miles an hour down, uh, down 81 or 77, you know, for 14 hours going from Orlando back to Pittsburgh um, versus getting in a plane 
know, so I, I, I love being on the road. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful moment where you get to the, just get to pause and be with yourself. So. It, and it's so interesting. I found being on the road, I really could immerse in each place I went because then I was there and I totally immersed myself there. And then it's like mm-hmm. I left and I had this whole transition and, you know, it's like going through a tunnel and ending up in the next world. <laughs> but you have oh, yeah. all these experiences in the meantime. And, it's yeah, I definitely prefer driving. And, and I grew up flying. My dad worked for the airlines. He wasn't a, a pilot or anything like that. But, um, you know, I grew up traveling by plane a lot of times. Um, but for me, getting in a car and going, and, and I used to, do that a lot when I was in college. I would just go, can't take it anymore, road trip. <laughs> and off Highway 1 up the Pacific Coast I would go. And um, as you say, even even getting on a, a main artery highway today, we can get some of that um, vibe going. And and it's mm-hmm. exciting. And um I, I think I think though this craving for simpler times is people are just they're feeling themselves spinning out of control and now they're realizing, hey, I'm spinning out of control and I think too given the energies that we're dealing with in these days and times where addictions of whatever kind they are, it doesn't matter whether they're drug or food or people or whatever or jobs or whatever it is, um is all kind of coming to a head. And as people remove themselves from these addictions and and we're going through these big transitions, simplicity and simpleness is is the big thing. So I think we could very well see a big movement back into this bohemian energy coming around. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's a direction we could could be opting for in the very near future here. Um, I do want to give you a chance, Joseph, because we are going to play this song, but we're going to play it at the very end of the show, and I know I've got a couple sure. of things to to get in here, but I would love for you to, to give us some sort of closing thought here for for everything you've shared and and you know, what you would love people just to take away mentally from all of this, as well as your contact information, any venues or shows or performances or things that you have coming up where people can connect with you. Absolutely. Um, so the the website stuff, I'll get out of the way first. So the website, which you said earlier, thank you, is uh, DigTherapy, D-I-D-G-E, Therapy, T-H-E-R-A-P-Y, dot com. Uh, there's a calendar page on there. It has uh, tour schedules, upcoming dates, all of that's there. Uh, for anyone that's interested in the electronic music side of what I do, um, there's uh, another website for that. That's Cable Syndicate, T-A-B-L-E, Syndicate, S-Y-N-D-I-C-A-T-E.com. And uh, that has the integration of the didgeridoo with the electronic music and that whole other world that I do as well. Um, and there's dates and everything that are on those websites. Um, and then just uh, for for the closing thought is, uh, you know, I, I kind of side with the Dalai Lama, you know, be be good, you know, be good to yourself, be good to others, um, learn to learn to love yourself, and uh, and if you already love yourself, then share that love with others 
and, and just be nice. You know, that's the, that's going to make the world a better place is the more of us that are doing that and uh, the world around us a better world. So, yeah, pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. And, of course, compassion is the foundation of my work and um, along with the code interpretations because I believe knowing our code helps us be live more compassionately, as you say, with ourselves and with others. And um, I, I should mention that you offer some really great group workshops that people can catch up with you uh, where you are um, or if they're traveling to, to where you're providing something. Uh, you have workshops as affordable as $35, $45 per person yeah. uh, that I'm seeing on your website. And, you know, a lot can be done in that short period of time uh, in there. And so, you know, I definitely encourage people to, to head on over there to your website, Ditch Therapy dot com and you know Joseph it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show such um, such a joy to share this time thank you so much for thank you so much for having me on the show I really enjoyed uh, the conversation and the company and uh, I, uh, I I look forward to to doing this again in the future if you ever want me back so thank you I, I really enjoyed sharing the time with you I, I would definitely be open to that, and and who knows, maybe at some point we can connect and do a um, a sound healing therapy thing together. <laughs> we'll go create an Aquarius sanctuary. Hey, I, I am always down for collaborations. You let me know where and when, and we can set up a collaborative workshop together and have a blast. I, I love working with other practitioners, so you let me know. <laughs> I, I love it. I I got to do one with uh, Woven Green while I was in Washington D.C. and um, and it was so fun to do. And I I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking for I'll probably be looking for more of those things to do as I get ready to to tour again. And I'm doing a lot more planning before I hit the road <laughs> again. So. Um, definitely, I will keep you in mind for that because I, I would love. I, I'm cool. hoping to team up more with sound healing, sound therapy uh, workshop things going on because um, I just feel like that's that's where it's at. Definitely. Well, you know, I I'm so grateful we can bring this to you to everybody today, and definitely stay tuned because we are going to have this moth song, and if it cuts off. Um, for our live listeners before you can hear the whole song. I do want to mention it will be in the archives and you'll be able to catch the whole song in the archives there. And uh, just to uh, let you know next week on the show, I'm going to be recapping my musical artist of 2016, but I'm going to be doing a whole lot of sharing of code insights for 2016. What is the vibration of that year? What can we expect month to month? What are some of the things that are going to be happening? And how is it going to be coming together? And what does that mean for us? And so it's going to be very exciting. I'm going to intersperse some musical pieces and some insights. And we're just going to have a wonderfully relaxed show to close off the year with. And and that will be happening. And, and again, you can always catch that as an archive if you're busy on Christmas Day doing family stuff or, or whatever. It will be there. Um, uh, again, I uh, am very excited to announce Embraced by the Divine is finally out, which is the collaborative piece that I have done that is an international bestseller and i um, very excited about what that's offering. It's a collection of women's anthologies of getting through the dark night of the soul. You can check out uh, what's happening with that at embracedbythedivine.com. 
And um, and you can always connect with me. Every month I'm putting out videos and and doing various different things. You can check out the code interpretation work that I'm doing, the services that I'm offering. Every month I have a special out there. December special, by the way, even though um, this weekend is already closed off for participating, uh, you can still register and participate in the January 30th and 31st weekend uh, event that I have going on and receive a free code interpretation of your energy flow with the days 2016. Um, and when you participate in that workshop, it, it automatically includes the foundational code interpretation that I do. So it's a, it's a very intense uh, personal exploration, great thing to do during winter. I'm going to be doing some adjusting with some of those as well uh, in the upcoming year. So I've, I've got a lot to <laughs> to pull together here to start to open up for you for 2016. You can catch up with all those things that are happening as well as the archived shows uh, through my website, Jesse and Nichols George from number1.com. And I do want to mention we do have several shows here on Main Street Universe. We have some people that are going to be coming on once a month and doing once a month shows here. But uh, consistently, we have Susan Weed on Tuesday night. Darren Bucare has been coming on Wednesday night. Sometimes we have our flagship show where they're doing some incredible interviews on there, uh, delving into some really interesting topics on there as well. Every now and then, Kevin Baird uh, pops his head in. He's working with his new companion project. And, of course, here on Friday, Code Connection. This is Jesse Ann Nichols-George. Thank you so much for being here today. And again, thanks to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but those streaming live on PEN, known as Pair Encounters Network, StreamFinder, TalkStream Live, and those catching our podcasts at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and also those catching the YouTube version of our show. I look forward to seeing you back here next week as we delve more into Code Connection. Hey, and don't forget, if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives, and it happens immediately. It's available immediately as the show ends. I'm going to leave you today with the song Bourgeois Bohemian, and that is from today's guest, Joseph Carringer. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on Code Connection. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. 